Welcome to Detour to Neverland, your guide to living your best Disney life through your hobby or business. Here's your hosts, Brendan and Catherine. Welcome back to Detour to Neverland. Today is episode number 122. We are excited today to share our interview that we recorded with Julie Elster, who is the founder and creator behind DoubleYourWDW.com. DoubleYourWDW is a planning resource to help you maximize and create the absolute best vacation that you can in Walt Disney World. So Julie does that both through her planning resources on her website and also on her podcast. So we highly recommend checking both of those out. And we had so much fun sitting down, learning more about the website and the podcast, and also just learning more about Julie as a creator. So the themes for you guys to look forward to that we will be talking about on Wednesday and Friday of this week. Wednesday, we're going to be talking about thriving as an introvert in an extrovert space. So Disney community, and especially as creators, a lot of extroverts out there, but for people like us and people like Julie as introverts, how do we tackle that and overcome that? And then on Friday, we're talking about how to seek strategic partnerships. So hope you guys enjoy this interview. We will catch up with you later this week. And yeah, thank you so much for listening. We're going to turn it over to Julie, where she will introduce herself and also tell one fact that you may not know about her from social media. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be on the show. Um, so my name is Julie Elster, and I run WDW.com. It's... Disney World planning, uh, it started out for first timers to really help them to plan the best Disney World vacation ever because there's a ton when it comes to planning a Disney World vacation. Um, gosh, something about me that you might not know. Uh, well, on the weekends, I like to do, uh, aerial, which is like trapeze and silks and, and uh, like aerial gymnastics, so doing tricks up in the air. Uh, so that's what I do on my free time on the weekends, which is crazy and insane, but it's um, an awesome workout. So I guess that's something non-Disney related. That is so cool. So are you a frequent visitor to the Cirque du Soleil show when, the, when it was running? <laughs> I, <laughs> I haven't seen the one at Disney World. I was like heartbroken when that one closed and I am on pins and needles waiting for the the new one to open like I cannot wait for them to announce an opening date because I will be there as soon as that one <laughs> opens up because that's exactly what I, I mean I'm nowhere near that level I am like about I can you know barely do some basic tricks but it's it's such a wild sport to be involved in so I cannot wait for them to bring that back to Disney Springs that is cool my it is interesting. My aunt is probably the biggest Cirque du Soleil aficionado on the planet. I'm pretty sure she's seen every single show, at least, I don't know if they're worldwide, but she's seen many of them and they live close to Las Vegas. It's just she's seen many of them there. She says that Lanuba, the show that was in Disney Springs, was one of the top three or four shows. So, oh, wow. It was quality. Yeah, I didn't get a chance to see that one. Um, you know, I started WDW just uh, a little over a year ago. So my ability to be going to the parks more frequently has only started over the last year. And then, you know, that show closed. So when I was going before with just my family, it's like you're trying to pack in all this other stuff. And so stopping to see a show wasn't 
high priority for us. So now that it's closed, I'm like, oh, I wish I had taken the time to see it. But I can't wait to find out what they're going to be replacing it with. Mm -hmm. Hopefully we'll know soon. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, we're for sure interested in that, too. And I think that's just overall, that seems like such an interesting hobby because you hear about like CrossFit or cycling is huge. But how do you get into something like aerial anything? (laughs) So, okay, so the the place where I go, it was right next to a sushi restaurant. So it was like pure coincidence. My husband and I wanted sushi one night and we walked, we were walking by and he, we like just were looking in the window at these people up on the trapeze. And he was like, well, that's a thing you would do. Like, you need to do that. And I was terrified. I was like, no, no, no. And he pushed it. He was like, you know, you're going to do it and you're going to love it. So, so he was gently nudging me. And sure enough, I signed up and I was like, all right, I'm going to do one session and we'll see. I signed up and I fell in love with it. It is the most challenging thing I've ever done in my entire life, but I think I'm also stronger than I've ever been. And you'd think like just doing the tricks is the hard part. Just getting up on the trapeze is the hard part. Like that's what's really difficult. And the people who do these shows make it look so easy and seamless. But just getting up on a trapeze is far more difficult than you could possibly imagine. Wow. Oh, yeah. I mean, I can imagine that takes a lot of upper body strength. Which is... It's more abs than upper body. Oh. I thought that too. I was like, I don't have any upper body strength. Turns out that's not really what you need. You need the ab muscles. Wow. So I promise yeah. you we have never talked about this on the show before. So <laughs> this is great content to get out there for first. our listeners. Yeah. <laughs> so to lay that foundation to kind of understand where you're coming from when it comes to Disney, can you share with us what your Disney story is? Kind of how did you fall in love with it and how has it evolved over time? Yeah. So I live just outside of Chicago and I grew up in this area. And as a child, like as a toddler, Uh, My mom used to take us to Disney World almost every year, and we would drive from the Chicago area to Orlando, and this was in the 1980s. Uh, So we would make that drive almost every year, and it's just something that I've loved since I was a little kid. And going as a teenager, we started going to Disneyland as well, and I just, I absolutely fell in love with it. So when I had the opportunity to go with my kids and my extended family and all of us as adults, I was like, this is like, this is something I need to be a part of. It just, it was ingrained since my childhood and just such amazing memories that I knew as an adult and as somebody who had started her own business, I was like, there's got to be a way that I can do this for a living. There has to be something. Mm-hmm. I love that. So... Before, so I'm going to kind of jump ahead because you just mentioned something that definitely resonates with something that we've shared a lot recently, but you talk about how you have started other businesses or, and you even mentioned to us before we started talking that you kind of had an entrepreneur mind, very similar to Brendan, I'm sure. So would you mind sharing with us what your other business ventures are or were? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I actually worked in the corporate world for a long time. And I found myself going like day to day into my cubicle. And like it was, you know, it was fine. It paid the bills and it was okay. But I was never really thrilled with it. And my husband, who's also a serial entrepreneur, he had me just, I worked in um, accounts receivable. So like super boring, numbers driven, spreadsheets kind of stuff. But he was having issues 
getting people to pay his invoices because he was a freelancer. And I was like, well, listen, like I work in accounts receivable. I do this every day. So I started calling on his clients for him and in a very customer service oriented way, collecting on his past due invoices. Well, long story short, that turned into him referring me to other freelancers. And I was like, this is a business. I can do this. So I, while I was working a corporate job, started part-time calling on past due invoices for freelancers. It was really niched down to freelancers. So I would call on past due invoices and my whole shtick was like, this is customer service oriented. You're not going to lose any clients because that's a big fear when you're a freelancer is that you know you don't want a bad reputation. You don't want to lose clients. So I would call on these past due invoices and it I ended up with so much business that I was able to just quit my job. And so that was great. Like it was successful and people loved it. And I'm sure if you Googled it, you could probably still find stuff, even though I don't do it anymore, because people absolutely loved it. But calling a past due invoices really becomes draining after a while on you mentally. Like I just, I couldn't, after a couple of years doing it, I was like, I just mentally cannot do this anymore. So I uh, just, when I got pregnant with my daughter, who's now two and a half, I was like, all right, I'm going to take some time off. So I quit doing it. And after I had her, I was like, you know, I, I still had the entrepreneur bug. And so in that time, we just coincidentally had a, an extended family vacation to Disney World. So it was my brothers, my parents, my grandparents, all of us going to Disney World. And in planning that trip for everybody, because they all were not into the planning process. I was like, there's something here. And so that's how I knew, like, I've done this before. I know that I can do something with this. Wow. That is awesome. As someone whose first business internship in college was collecting delinquent. <laughs> oh, no, it wasn't. Collecting uh, delinquent. <laughs> what, what was the terminology? They're not tra- manufactured homes, mortgages. <laughs> There oh, is an no. art to accounts receivable. I did not yeah. have that art. But. <laughs> so, so you want to hear something funny. So when I stopped doing my business was called Just Tell Julie. That was the name of it. And when I stopped doing it and I started WWDW, I actually had that website just forwarded to my Disney website because, you know, why not? I still owned both of them. But I still get people who email me through the Disney website being like, hey, do you collect invoices? <laughs> it's still because it's just such an issue and nobody wants to deal with money and collecting invoices. It's just not a fun thing to do. Man, lots of respect. Because that is, yeah. that is, that takes a special kind of person to be able to do that. But you mentioned kind of that trip that you went on with all of your extended family. Was that kind of the birth of WW, double your WDW? I told you beforehand <laughs> that I get tongue twisted. So you can't yeah. blame me. <laughs> no, no, that's okay. Uh, yeah, that actually, that was, that's, it, so my family, like we had all been to Disney, you know, as a family, all of us together when we were kids and growing up. And the last time we all went together was when I was a teenager. And so a lot has changed. So, uh, you know, I hate to even admit this. I'm 36. So when like with the last time we all went together as a group was probably early 2000s. So a lot has changed. Like the last time I was there, it was paper fast pass. And, you know, I mean, it was just a completely different thing. You didn't make dining reservations six months out. And, you know, it was just a completely different world. So when we all decided to go together on a big family trip, I took over. I was like, guys, this is how it's done now. 
And they all thought I was insane. Like, they thought I was crazy. They're like, what do you mean we have to pick restaurants six months out? And so I kind of took over. And I made fast pass for everybody. And I made dining reservations. And I found myself sending these big, long emails with, like, here are my tips for getting around the parks. And here's how I suggest you do this or that. And next thing I know, like my husband's like, oh, so-and-so's going to Disney. I forwarded him your email. And I was like this, like there's something here. Again, like it was the same light bulb that went off, like when I was collecting past due invoices for my husband a couple years earlier. I was like, there's something here. So it definitely was that trip. And by the time that trip was over, I had said to my husband when we got back, I was like, I want to start a website. Like there is something here and I think that I can create enough content to really be able to help people out. Wow. Yeah, that's awesome. Side note, I don't know if you're paying him a commission, but your husband has really <laughs> been your biggest advocate up to this point in he, your story. Yes. Oh, yeah, he is. He is the most supportive husband. I tell him that all the time. Like, he is by far, I can't imagine anyone else being like, oh, yeah, you want to just start a Disney business? Sure. Like, I don't think anyone else would get it the way that he gets it. And I think it's because he is also an entrepreneur that he just, he gets it. Like, you know, it's funny. I had um on my podcast, I just had him on as a guest and we were talking about, quote, unquote, Disney World haters because – and I don't know if you guys experience this, but I get a lot of people like like close friends and family who just don't understand what I do. And they're like, well, what do you mean your business is Disney? And they don't understand it. And trying to explain it to them is like talking to a wall. And so I had him on my podcast talking about like, well, how do you handle it when people don't understand your love of Disney? And for me, that was like, for me, it was like my business. And it's a lot of friends and family just don't. Get it. So he is my number one fan and he's, I'd say he's probably my mentor because he has a successful business of his own and he has been so supportive. So he's definitely my go-to person when I have any sort of doubts or struggles in my business. Yeah, I love that. And I definitely think that that's probably something that most, if not all, people within the community can relate to just, you know, non-Disney people. They just don't seem yeah. to get the magic that's there. So it's their yeah. loss, ultimately. <laughs> and that's kind of the – that's was kind of the moral at the end of our episode, the conclusion that we came to. It's like, you know what? You do you. Like, they're missing out. They don't get it. And that's fine. They don't have to get it. It's not for everybody. But if the magic's there for you, that's what's important. Yeah, I totally agree with that. So – Kind of in hearing, you know, your story and how, you know, that trip ultimately kind of pushed you along with your husband to create Double Your WDW. I feel like that story sounds pretty similar to a lot of other content creators or, you know, travel agents just, mm -hmm. you know, with the whole clicking of everything. But rather than going like the travel agent route, you went towards content. So what kind yes. of pushed you in that direction? I felt that that was going to be my strength more than becoming a travel agent. And, you know, it's funny, before that trip, I used to joke with my husband like, oh, if travel agents were still relevant, because I really didn't, I didn't think they were until I really entered like the Disney sphere. And I realized like, wow, no, travel agents really are important when it comes specifically to Disney vacations. But 
you know, travel agents, otherwise you don't see them as much. And so I used to joke with my husband, like, oh, if travel agents were still a big deal, that's what I would be doing. But after that trip, I was like, you know, I think I can do this without working for someone else, because I think ultimately that would be the easiest way to just become a travel agent would be to be hired by somebody else. And that's just, I worked for somebody else for long enough. And I'm like, no, I think that I can do something on my own and do it my own way and not have to answer to anyone but myself. And there's something so freeing about that and so exciting about that. And so I really wanted to stay down that path. I had had success with that in the past. And so I wanted to stay with that rather than, you know, be hired by a travel agent and have a boss and and go that route. So it was just it was just what worked for me personally. Mm-hmm. Now that we're on the topic of content, I want to make sure our listeners are aware of everything that you're doing because it really puts everything into perspective. So can you share with us, you know, the podcast, the blog, everything else, kind of how it all comes together for you? Yeah, it started out with just the website and I just created as much content as I could. Just everything that I could think of that somebody might need to know for planning a Disney World vacation. I created and I put up on the website. And then once I did that, I was like, well, I, you know, I want to have something because the website to me feels very, you know, factual. If it's like, this is the process and this is the best way to do this, this and this. And, you know, like that's just kind of the way I created it. There are so many great, you know, you, you call it a blog, but I feel, I feel like it's not as much of a blog as like bloggers to me are people who are like, this is my top five, whatever. And this is my opinion on the best, whatever. And I try to avoid that on the website because I'm just here to help you plan. I'm not here to tell you like, this is the best or worst hotel. But I also want people to know like there, I have a personality. I do have opinions on things. And so I wanted the accompanying podcast to go with that. And so it's still very much centered around planning, but it's more my opinions on certain things and you know, the way that I like to do things and the way that I like to plan. And so the podcast goes with that. And I'm dabbling a bit in YouTube. I, I'm not quite as great at that medium as I am at writing or at the podcast, but I'm definitely working on getting YouTube videos up as well. So that one's still a work in progress. But just anything to help people, you know, whatever. Everybody, I think, absorbs information in different ways. So I'm trying to get out as much information in as many different ways as possible. That is a very interesting distinction that I probably never would have come to the conclusion by myself about, about the difference between sort of a planning resource or an ultimate guide or something like that that you're putting together in comparison to a blog. That is is a very two different routes. um, Yeah, yeah. And I get, you know, and people refer to me as blogger all the time. And that's like, I'm fine with that title. Um, I don't know, like if somebody asks me what I do, I don't know that I refer to it as blogging. But I, I, because I, and it's only because I try and stick to like, here, like, here are the, you know, the, the outline for this or the outline for that. And there's some opinion based stuff. Like I talk about planning with toddlers and that's very much based on my own experience because I have a toddler. I have three kids. So, you know, stuff like that's based on my own experience, but I try my best to keep it as factual rather than like, 
you know, Disney Tourist Blog, for example, does a great job of like analyzing what's going on in this and that and his opinion on what's going on and why it's going on. And that is a fantastic blog and there's no question it's a blog. <laughs> but mine is more like here's XYZ. So, yeah, that, I think that's a, a, a wonderful route to go. And and sort of making that distinction sets you apart and puts you kind of a different category. Something you mentioned earlier, and I know it's not mentioned on your Instagram as well, where you talk about that you are focused on first-time Walt Disney World visitors. Now, obviously, mm -hmm. it's accessible to anybody who's trying to learn more and make the most of their Walt Disney World vacation. But what was it that made you target that specific audience? So when we went on the big family vacation with my my two brothers, it was my two brothers, my parents, my grandparents, and then all of our kids, and we all have children, so it was all of the kids. Um, you know, myself, my parents, and my brothers had been to Disney, but like my two sisters-in-law had never been to Disney World. And so trying to like find resources for them, I found to be very difficult because there are so many blogs and the way blog websites are set up, it's hard to just to navigate to just like, well, what do I do? What's step one? You know, like what's what's planning 101? Because there's so many blogs that are like, here's the newest Instagrammable cupcake and here's, you know, the latest merch you can get. And all that stuff is super fun. And believe me, I love reading it. But for, you know, the purpose of trying to help my sister-in-law to tell her like, well, here's where the baby care center is, that I found to be a little more difficult to find just a single resource, just one website that was easy to navigate that had, you know, basic 101 stuff for somebody who just had no idea, for somebody who had never been, or like for my mom, you know, for example, who hadn't been in 10 or 15 years. So things change constantly. So I wanted something that I knew was going to be up to date because that was another issue was finding stuff that was up to date. I found all sorts of stuff that's like, oh, wait, that's five years old. That's no longer up to date. So something that's up to date, something that's easy to navigate and something that really just lays it out for basic planning information, as well as like if you're a little further along in the planning, some of the extras and the fun stuff. So that was kind of my motivation yeah. for the website. Certainly. Yeah, that that is a... Great explanation for it. I'm just interested because it's something since we're new to the content creation area and in every mm -hmm. role I've had in the past, I've always worked with data and understanding analytics and, and working with it. Do you have any audience data or have just a gut feeling on what percentage of your readers and, you know, audience are first time visitors versus repeat visitors of Walt Disney World? Uh, I don't, I don't know for sure, but based on the questions that I get asked, I think it's, it's a good variety. I definitely have people who are annual pass holders who just follow on because they love as much Disney content as they can possibly get their hands on. And so they like seeing things like when I update, like for the Halloween party, for example. So all that's up to date and they're familiar with the Halloween party and they want to know what's going on with it. So as soon as I update that and post that, they're interested in their reading that. But then I also get questions from people who are like, well, how does FastPass work? And do I have to pay for it? And, you know, how do I do this or that with my toddler? And so I think I get a pretty wide variety of people. So while the initial goal was definitely first timers, I think that the content that I've created is accessible for anybody, whether it's a first timer or somebody who has been to the parks several times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And 
I was thinking all of those first-time visitors who use your materials or, you know, gain insight from your website, they're not going to be first-time forever. You know, eventually yeah. they'll be repeat. So that's Yeah, I hope too. so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the goal, right? So in thinking about, you know, everything – that you do. We've listened to some of your podcast episodes and we've gotten a good feel for what we think looks like a rock solid strategic partnership with Sierra, who is a travel agent. Mm-hmm. So yes. we were kind of wondering how that came to be and how you kind of developed that partnership with each other. Well, you know, it's interesting. When I first started the business. And that's like the number one question I get asked is like, well, how do you make money? How do you make money? And so when I first started out, I was like, I don't know. Like, I'm not sure. Like, I haven't figured that out yet, but I'm going to figure it out. So I, in the very, very beginning, I was like, well, I will help people who booked their own vacation, not through a travel agent. And I will offer a service where I can help them plan, like book fast passes and restaurant reservations and all that stuff. And it ended up not being as um, successful or as popular as I thought it was going to be. I thought people would be very interested in it. Turns out they weren't. So I was like, all right, I'm still getting people who want help and people who need like real help in booking and planning, but they don't necessarily want to use this as a service. And that's, you know, part of starting a business is trial and error, right? So I knew I was like, this isn't this is not what the people want. So we're not going to push this anymore. So I was like, well, really what I need to do is talk to a travel agent. But that made me hesitant because there are so many travel agents out there. And how do you know who's going to be, you know, worth your time? Like, I don't want to recommend somebody who doesn't return phone calls or who isn't good at what they do. So I waited quite a while before I partnered up with a travel agent. And once I was getting enough traffic and enough questions where people were asking me about booking and saying, hey, are you a travel agent or can you help me with this? And can you assist with booking? I actually started interviewing travel agents because I was like, I can't just, you know, partner up with the first person who comes around. So it was like a long interview process where I called out like on a few different social media platforms and I called a few different places and I talked to several people. I was like, I need somebody. I had like a whole list of criteria. Like I need somebody who's experienced. I need somebody who's been doing this for a while. I need somebody who's at the parks all the time. I need somebody who I click with. Like it has to be a real relationship or it's not going to work. Like you can't just partner up with anybody just to try and make a buck. It's not going to work. And that's why I waited so long to do it. So after interviewing a bunch of people, Sierra and I really clicked. We have kids similar in age. She's at the parks all the time. Like her, I can have a conversation with her and I made it very clear whoever I work with, I want them to feel like a partner in what I'm doing. And that's really, I feel like that with her. She likes to come on my podcast and share her knowledge. And so it's been a great fit, but it wasn't something that I jumped into right away. It was definitely like talking to a lot of people and a lot of figuring things out before I made any sort of commitment. But I think it it worked out really great. Uh, She's fantastic and it's been a really, really great partnership. So all worked out. Yeah. I mean, and from our perspective, it was great, especially we listened to the FAQ or yeah, the um, FAQ episode 
hearing yeah. both of your perspectives on different things and kind of playing off each other and putting your collective knowledge together. Collaboration is something that we talk about a lot on the show, but I do think those strategic partnerships kind of take it a step further where you're aligned and you have goals together and and you are, you know, both benefiting from this relationship. And I think I would encourage any of our listeners to kind of seek those things out and think, you know, critically about what are some different areas or some gaps that you can fill in your project or your business of, of maybe teaming up with someone makes their makes perfect sense. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She definitely fills in my knowledge gaps. Like I really I was like, I know it all. Like I know everything. You can't. Like, there's nothing you could tell me. I don't already know. Turns out that is not true at all. <laughs> like she knows so much stuff that I had absolutely no idea. And it's, it amazes me every time. And so I think like what you said is totally accurate. You have to seek these things out, but they also have to be at the same time organic. And I know that sounds like contradictory, but I mean, you have to have a real relationship with the person, I think, in order for it to work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. And like you said, you know, you can't go into anything just thinking, oh, I'm only doing this to make money. Because like you said, that's not the best mindset. You know, that's not how things click. I think there's a difference between going in it being like, this is a business and I take this seriously versus I'm going to get rich quick doing it. I uh, like when people are like, oh, is this like a hobby? I'm like, no, this is a business. Even when I was making negative dollars, this was still a business like and that's how I treat it because I take it more seriously if it's a business versus a hobby like definitely treat it as a business but yeah you can't go in being like oh I'm gonna make all this cash right off the bat because you're probably not gonna make a whole lot of cash right off the bat with any business you start Mm -hmm. Disney or otherwise there are so many value bombs in what you said and we are going to definitely (laughs) pick those apart in our later episodes this week but one thing that I want to hit on is that you said that when you started like either you didn't know your monetization plan or, you know, you had a different idea of how the income Mm -hmm. was going to start coming in. I think that is so kind of relieving for so many people to hear that you don't have to have it all figured out at the very beginning. Catherine and I would be the first people hand up. Like we are going a completely different direction than we ever thought we would. And that's not a bad thing. How that works. Yeah. 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 That's when I I was like, oh, I'm going to be like this third party planner and it's going to be so great. And they're going to be knocking my door down to get. And it's like, that's just not at all how it worked out. And that's, you know what, honestly, that's totally fine because I like the content creation more um, than like actually, you know, booking the stuff for people, which honestly, like back to your question about why I didn't become a travel agent. That's a big part of it too. Like I like creating the content versus doing that other work. But it's like, if you fail at something, it's okay. It's not necessarily a failure. It's just a lesson in like what works for your business. Like, I don't think anything is really a quote unquote failure. Just sometimes you try stuff and you have to try stuff. The only way you're going to know if it works is if you try it. And if it doesn't work, that's fine. Like you just try the next thing. So I tried something and it didn't work. And so I moved on to the next thing and that's fine too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So valuable for our <laughs> listeners to <see. laughs> So because you do create so much content, I am curious, out of everything that you put your time and effort into, what is your absolute favorite thing? Like when you sit down with your to-do list, what do you love doing the most? 
I like writing the most. Writing is my favorite. And I think that's why I really started my focus on the website. And I have like a planning ebook. And that was really, that was my main focus. And that's still what I love to do. Um, I do the podcast and the podcast is a lot of fun, but I am, believe it or not, very much an introvert. And like even coming on this podcast today, I had to like, I was telling my husband like, oh, I have anxiety. Like I have to talk myself up. And I know the moment I put my headphones on and I start talking to him, I'm going to be fine. But like I, I'm an introvert. And so writing is my safe space rather than putting myself out there on video or on a podcast. And so that's definitely my go-to, but I'm definitely trying to expand myself and and push myself to do other things, which is why like the podcast is my next big focus. And then now that I think I've got that going, YouTube will be the next one that I really try and tackle. So we'll see how that goes. Retweet. That is, <laughs> that is completely us as well. And, and it is we were just recording our episode from last week recently, and Catherine, what you said, something to the effect of like, oh, this is fun because it feels like it's just you and I. Like, we don't think about that. It goes out to all these people. And it's like, stop. Like, don't ruin this <laughs> yes. for me. Right. Yes. I there The episodes that I record of my podcast where it's just me, I'm like, yes, this is great. Like, this is, it's just like me just talking out loud about things that I enjoy about the planning process. And and I don't have to think any more about it. But the moment someone else is involved, it's like, ooh, this became real really fast. <laughs> yeah, we definitely understand that. So, Julie, this is this first segment of the podcast has been so much fun. You have shared so much value and interesting topics with our listeners. So we thank you so much for that. We're going to take a quick break and hear a message from our partners, and then we'll be back to play the Fast Pass round. Let's do some math. We've talked about it a little bit in the past of the advantages to renting DVC points rather than booking a cash room at some of these deluxe resorts. As you guys know, we are headed to the Polynesian to spend a week there using our DVC points in October. If we were to rent those same points, the amount of points that we need to book that room, it would cost us just over $2,000. Not cheap, but not completely ridiculous. If you were to book that same room as a cash reservation, it would cost you over $4,100. It is nearly double the cost to book a cash room instead of renting DVC points. So, to me, it's a no-brainer. If you are looking to stay at a deluxe resort on your next Walt Disney World trip and maybe get a taste of what it's like to stay in a DVC villa-type room, head to Detour to Neverland dot com forward slash dvc again that's detour to neverland dot com forward slash dvc or you can find that link in our show notes perfect so we are back so julie we are going to throw out these disney topics and you can just kind of share the first thing that comes to your mind so our listeners can get to know your disney fandom a little bit better okay so the first one's an easy one it's just name the disney parks that you visited I have been to all of the U.S. parks, so Disneyland, California Adventure, and then all of the Disney World parks, uh, Magic Kingdom, Epcot, Animal Kingdom, and Hollywood Studios. So of all of those individual parks, which one is your favorite and why? Ooh, um, okay, controversial answer. I'm going to say Hollywood Studios, 
And I know people often are like, oh, Hollywood Studios. I think Hollywood Studios is my favorite because in the 80s and 90s, I absolutely loved it because the backstage tour, the backlot tour, you could see where uh, Mickey Mouse Club was filmed. And I was obsessed with that show as a kid. So that is like childhood memories. And now as an adult, I love how much that park is transforming and changing. And every time you go, it seems something is new and different at that park. So I love, I love what it was and I miss what it was, but I also love what it's becoming. That was definitely going to be my next question though, (laughs) is how do you feel about all that? (laughs) I think it's great. I, I love the changes. I'm sad to see a lot of stuff go like the great movie ride. I'm really sad that that's gone, but I'm also, I'm excited for, uh, Mickey Minnie's Runaway Railway. Like, I'm super excited for that. And I saw uh, Galaxy's Edge at Disneyland. So I cannot wait for that to open at Disney World. So I think there's a lot of really fun stuff coming. And I'm I'm thrilled to see how it all turns out. For sure. I didn't realize how much of a Hollywood Studios fan I was until someone asked recently. They said, what is your favorite street to be on in Walt Disney World? And of course, Main Street is number one, but Hollywood Boulevard, like sitting there staring at Tower of Terror is like a very yeah. close second for me. That is like one of the, the best spots in the whole. The old Hollywood vibe is something I absolutely adore. And we're spending the holidays um, at the parks and I'm like, well, we're going to be at Hollywood Studios like the majority of the time like we're spending thanksgiving day in hollywood studios and i cannot wait because it's all like the old school hollywood and even like down to the christmas decorations it's all old hollywood and so i'm like giddy with excitement over that the old hollywood feel is just fabulous so i love it i'm with you on that you'll have to take a picture of gertie the dinosaur in a santa hat for me that's my (laughs) favorite thing believe me i will So the next one would be, what is your Disney bucket list trip? Ooh, I really want to visit the parks in Asia. Really, I think any, I mean, I've only been to the U.S. parks, so really anything outside of the U.S., but I've just heard so many amazing things that I think that is, it's definitely on my to-do list one of these days. Mm Yeah, us too. So next would be your favorite Disney resort. And it doesn't necessarily have to be one that you've stayed at. Uh, I think the Polynesian. The Polynesian is, so I have childhood memories of the Polynesian. But I just, in general, I think that that theming is perfection. It's so easy to go like cheesy with a Polynesian theme, but they've just, they've executed it beautifully at that resort. And I'm absolutely in love with it. That's a good point. It could be very gaudy. You know, it could have been very gaudy yeah. and just yeah, yeah. over the, you know, colorful. It could be campy yeah. or yeah, or hokey, but they just the the way they executed it was absolutely beautiful. So, I think that's I think that one's my favorite. You're saying like I have several favorites, but I think that's number one. <laughs> you're saying like your neighborhood tiki bar kind of feel like that. It could <laughs> yeah, be that right. <laughs> yeah. Like imagine like kids like pool party or something. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that would be fun, too, but <laughs> but I think the way they executed it is perfect. Mm-hmm. So the next one, this one's always super interesting to me. If you could only fast pass one ride for the rest of your life, which one would it be? Ooh, uh, I think Peter Pan. 
And again, I'm just, I'm so cheesy. And I go back to like my childhood memories. So like, I think of my, my early trips to Disney in like the eighties when I was a little kid. And the only thing I remember about Magic Kingdom is Peter Pan. And so every time I go on that ride, I get just this like feeling of nostalgia and it just brings me back to my childhood. Just still to this day in my thirties, I still get that feeling on that ride. Mm-hmm. Sticking with rides and attractions, which ride or attraction do you think is due for an exit or a refurbishment from the parks? Hmm. I don't know that any, I, I wouldn't give any an exit, and I don't think any of them, but a refurbish. I would love to see Carousel of Progress updated. I think it's been a while since that one's been updated. Like, as close as they got however many years ago with, like, the, um, uh, oh gosh, what are the, the, visors that you wear the oh my VR. God, what are those called VR. thank you the <laughs> vr like as close as they got with that technology and they had like almost like alexa type technology um as close as they got with that i'd love to see an update like all right well, what do you think is going to be in the next 15 or 20 years so i'd love to see that one updated mm-hmm. that would be pretty funny <laughs> yeah <laughs> They got it pretty good, I think. Oh, yeah. The last time they did it. But now it's like, well, yeah, everybody, like, my kids have VR. And I have, like, six different Amazon Echoes in my house. So, <laughs> <laughs> like, what's next? Yep. So the next one, this is a new one, too. But what land or area within the parks brings you the most inspiration? I think maybe, again, just fantasy land because it just brings me back to my childhood now it's so different from when i was a kid but just something about being in that land just makes me think of when i was a little kid i just i could spend literally my entire day there in fantasy land mm-hmm. i'm so cheesy with these answers <laughs> so when you think about it in your mind is that disneyland or magic kingdom fantasy land magic kingdom gotcha. magic kingdom yeah That's where, like, Disneyland, I don't know, like, we vacationed there as a kid, but I don't know that we went there until I was maybe a teenager or close to my teen years. So it doesn't have the same feeling of nostalgia that Disney World does. Gotcha. Like, I get asked a lot about Disneyland. I'm like, no, I love Disneyland, but it just, it doesn't, it doesn't uh, spark joy like Disney World does. Mm -hmm. So next would be your favorite snack or a go-to snack? Oh, Mickey Bars. I'm so easy to play. There are so many beautiful desserts, but Mickey Bar is always my go-to. Like, we're talking Orlando. It's hot. <laughs> it's it's hot. It's humid. And uh, something about, like, the thick chocolate they use on those Mickey Bars. So it's cool. It's refreshing. It's always my go-to. Did Were you able to find them in the grocery stores in Chicago? I was. Yes. It was, like, months after everybody else was posting about them. So I was really bitter for quite a while. But eventually they made their way to my grocery store. So, yes. Yes, I do. They're not as large as the ones in the park, which is I, – I like. I guess that's probably a good thing, actually. But, but yeah. No, I every time I'm at the store, I will buy a box of Mickey bars. Man, I guess Nestle just didn't like Nashville. There weren't yeah. too many here. Oh, no. We never saw any. Yeah. Oh, that's a bummer. Yeah, it took quite a while, but eventually they made their way to my grocery store. Interesting. So the next one, sticking with food, what is your favorite table service restaurant and quick service restaurant? Ooh, um, I like Woody's Lunchbox for quick service. It's just such fun, really good food. Um, 
Oh, table service. Um, maybe Skipper Canteen. I think you can get a lot of variety. You can get healthy options. And I think it's underrated. So it's not difficult to get a reservation for. Yeah. We've heard that quite often recently. Actually, we've still oh, really? never been there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no kidding. We'll have to add it to yeah. our list. Yes. Yes. Do it. Do it. Next one would be your favorite Disney movie. Um, you know, if you ask me tomorrow, it'll probably change. But right now I'm going to say uh, The Little Mermaid. I think that one, again, it's a childhood favorite, but it's the music still holds up and I can watch it with my daughter and I love the ride and I love running to the music. Like I'll put that soundtrack on and go running to it. It's a ton of fun. I'm dressing as Ursula for uh, the princess run next year. So I think Little Mermaid is probably my answer. Oh, so you're going to be there in February? Yeah, yeah, I am. This is my first run Disney race. I'm super excited. Mine too. Yes, we'll be there. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Oh. Which one are you doing? Um, I'm running the 10K. We'll the one to... race that we're not doing. <laughs> yeah, we'll have... Oh, no way. Yeah. Oh. We'll have to come cheer you on. Yes. Yes. Pl- yeah, please do. I've I've never – so I used to be a runner, and then I, st- I stopped for a long time, and trying to get back into it is not as easy as I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. So I'll need all of the support I can get. <laughs> well, that's fun. Are you doing it by yourself, or is your husband going to join you? No, my sister's actually coming. Okay. And my sister, she's uh, – so she's my half-sister. So growing up, she did not go to Disney like I did with my brothers. She's 12 years younger than I am. So um, this well, – she's she's only been to Disney World once when she was little. So she's like beyond excited to be able to go. So I can't wait to show her – around and i'm making her run with me while we're there Ooh, that's the best part is taking someone new to yeah. disney yeah 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 I, I mean her i think she was a toddler maybe when she went so this is all going to be completely new for her so i cannot wait mm-hmm. so next one would be your favorite disney quote either it can either be from walt himself or from any of the movies well walt had a quote um and i know i'm probably gonna screw it up it's something like all our dreams can come true if we have courage to pursue them or something along those lines. And I think that like, given everything we've talked about, that's so relevant. And I often go back to that. And I'm like, I can't believe I'm doing like he said these words and I'm doing this thing that like this just fits so perfectly because I, it often does feel like I have to like explain to people what I'm doing and why I'm doing it and why I love Disney and why I love it to the point where I can make a business out of it. So I feel like he really captured all of that just in that quote. Like, I don't need to work a nine to five. I can kind of break out of that mold and do what I'm going to do because I have the courage to do it. And so I often go back to that quote from Walt himself. I do love that one. I actually put that one. So I'm a teacher and we just started back at school and I have that quote on my board right now outside my oh, room. Oh, do you? Yeah. It's I, so fitting. It's so perfect. It's a good one. Yeah. So the very last question for our Fast Pass round is what is your favorite Disney Parks memory? Hmm. Uh, so... <laughs> So I said earlier that like Magic Kingdom, the memory I have is of Peter Pan. But really, when I think of Disney World memories, I think of Epcot as a small child. And I think of two things. I think of Figment and I think of the beer garden. 
and being at the beer garden with my family and riding the old school figment ride. So I think that's my childhood at Epcot is probably my favorite Disney World memory. I love that. I would love if they would at least give us like a VR experience of the old (laughs) Epcot rides, the Horizons and the Figment original one. I'm I'm excited about all the changes at Epcot, but I'm also it makes me sad because it feels very different from when I was a kid. My husband just my birthday was in uh, July. And for my birthday, he gave me an opening day map of Epcot and he had it framed for me. And I was like, oh, my God, this is the most amazing thing ever. And just looking at it, I'm like, all of these things I remember from my childhood, but they're all it's all changed. And it's so different. And it's just it's a completely different place now. And I still love it. But it's just it's so different from what I remember. Yeah. I'd imagine once that Guardians coaster opens, it's going to be a completely different feel in that part. I know. And I'm not one to be like negative about anything. I don't know how I feel about a Guardians coaster at Epcot, though. Yeah. Like, I don't, you know, it just, I'm like, oh, like, I'm sure it'll be amazing. And I'm sure the ride itself will be amazing. I just kind of wish it was at a different park. Mm-hmm. That's just my personal opinion. I can get behind that. Yeah, that's valid. Yeah. That's valid. <laughs> yeah. Well, awesome. So, Julie, our very last question for you is if you have one piece of parting guidance that you can give to someone who's looking to jump into this community, either as a content creator or they want to start their own products and and create that business or that hobby, what would be your advice to that person? I think just uh, find what you love and really niche down. So, you know, I'm, I'm not just, you know, writing about Disney. I've niched down to planning. So whatever it is that you love, whether it's like writing or blogging or vlogging or creating a product, really niche down and find your audience and just do what you love and don't let anyone talk you out of it. Because if you work hard at it and you keep at it, you will be successful. Like it's not going to be overnight, but just keep at it and keep doing what you love because you will see success in it. Absolutely. That is excellent advice. Longevity and consistency are the recipes of success. So we thank you Mm -hmm. so much for that, Julie. If you can remind our listeners where they can connect with you online. Yeah, uh, my website is doubleyourwdw.com. I also have a podcast, same name. You can just search WRWDW wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm on Facebook and Instagram. That's where I'm most active as far as social media. So, yeah, I love hearing from everybody. So feel free to connect anywhere on those if you want to reach out to me. Yeah, absolutely. We'll, of course, link all of those in our show notes. Yeah, so awesome. we are so happy that you were able to join us today. I think we have thoroughly enjoyed this, and we have so many good takeaways to share with everyone. So I'm sure all of our listeners will love it as well. So just thank you for joining us on this Monday. Well, thank you so much for having me. It was a lot of fun. Do you like Star Wars? How about Marvel? How about Disney? If you answered yes to any of these, we'd love to have you listen to our new podcast, Kingdom Outcast. We're just three guys chatting about news, topics, and events in the Disney universe. Find us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. Thank you for listening to Detour to Neverland. Subscribe to the show and leave a review to help more people find us. Follow us on Instagram at Detour to Neverland underscore podcast to see our pictures from the parks. See you real soon.